What do triple layer cakes, segways, skateboarding, and skipping a rock all have in common? I'm going to use them today for analogies to learn and to teach efficient running mechanics. Welcome to season two, episode 10 of the Learn to Run podcast with myself, Dr. Matt Minard. This is an educational podcast where you get to vote on the episode topics. That being said, what was the winner? What are we going to talk about this week? You guys chose, and I'm so glad you did. I love this. Analogies. All about concepts, relating concepts into simpler ideas so we can understand some of these more complex ideas fast and implement them quickly. But this is such a broad topic that I want to break this up into three separate episodes or a mini series, if you will, all about analogies. Today is going to be about mechanics, the technique of how you move your body forward with running. Next episode will be all about training, analogies for training, whether it's intervals, pace, how to run faster, slower, what causes fatigue, how can we prevent fatigue, everything about training. And then the final one will be all about injuries. What are some common injuries that happen? What are some ways that you can understand it quickly? And then most importantly, then how can we heal or take care of it on your own to get you back? So this episode about mechanics, there's going to be two main parts. The first part is going to be general. I'm going to go over five different ideas or concepts and five different analogies or comparisons. And then the second part is that we're going to put it all together with one analogy, step-by-step step of how to move forward. So first, the big five, the five general ideas that we're going to go over are first balance and posture. Then we're going to talk about leaning. Then we're going to make an analogy for propulsion, something a little different that I haven't used before, but same concept, same idea. The fourth is we're going to talk about gliding moving purely horizontal, not up and down. And the final will be about landing. When you're airborne, as you make contact and load your body weight through the ground, we're going to make an analogy to be how to be as efficient as possible. And then we'll go into the step-by-step -step of how to put this all together. Foundational knowledge. Before we get into this, what's good to know and understand? Well, first, what is an analogy? Analogy is simply this. It's a comparison between two things or ideas, typically used for the purpose of explaining, teaching, or for clarification. Why do we love analogies so much? They're a way that we can relay this information in easy to understand ways so we can get this information uploaded to you as quickly as possible. I use these on a daily basis with my patients, with teaching. They're just a great way that I can quickly get you to understand something new. And that's how I learn new concepts as well, is tying them to things that I already know as well. So let's go to an example. Let's zoom out big picture. Let's say I'm trying to teach you a new skill. What I want to do is find a skill that you already have, that you already understand, that you already know correlate the two, tie them together, and that way you can quickly understand and upload this information. So let's go to an example. Let's say that I have a patient that has low back pain and they have pain with sitting. Sitting is actually aggravating their low back. 
A way that I can describe why sitting for eight hours is progressively, every hour that goes by, it's compounding more and more and more loading to the low back, and that's causing their pain. I can use this concept. I do this a lot. You've probably heard this before with Shin Splints episode, season one, episode four, where I talked about, let's say you're sitting is like you being out in the sun. You haven't been out in the sun for a while. The longer you're in the sun, the more, the higher the susceptibility of you getting a burn to your skin, which is a form of an injury. So let's say that if you go out for an hour and then you, for five minutes, you get out of the sun, you go in the shade, you take a little break. And then you go back into it. Same with sitting. Let's say for 45 minutes, you're sitting, but then for 15 minutes, you stand. The sitting is like the sun exposure. That's where we're getting the harmful or the irritation. And the standing is like the shade. So of that eight hours, can we break it up into smaller little intervals of sun being out in the sun and then going into the shade? And then not just that is when you are out in the sun, what are some ways that we can, or strategies we can use to try to help protect you in the moment? So maybe going over, if it was the outside analogy, sunscreen to help protect. If it's the sitting analogy, maybe it's uh, changing the seat height. Maybe it's giving you a little bit more low back support. Maybe it's teaching you how to shift your weight and disperse it evenly amongst your legs and not just all on your spine. Another one that I like to use a lot, especially in Charlotte, North Carolina, we've got so many banks here. Everyone's banking, 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 banking. As I'll talk about debit and credit. When they're sitting, they're spending. And they've only got so much of a budget each day. As they're sitting, the longer they sit, the more they're spending. When they stand, when they're not sitting, when they're not irritating or loading, time is healing and paying them back. So how can we balance this budget where we're spending less, paying yourself back more and getting out of debt? The more in debt we are, the more pain that we're experiencing. So that's a common one that I'll use. Another one that I like to use is a lot of times with decision-making. If I have a patient that has, let's say a calf tightness or a calf restriction, I'll tell them we've got two options. You're, we're going to get there. It's a matter of when, not if, that we can loosen this up. But we can either be a little bit more aggressive or less aggressive. It's kind of like if we're in Charlotte and we're trying to go to Seattle, we can either drive there or we can fly there. Flying is faster, but it's more expensive. So the way that I tie that is we can either drive to your destination to release your calf. I could do some trigger point release with my hands. I may do some deep pressure, some manual stretching techniques, or we can fly there. We can do use dry needling where I take a thin needle the size of a human hair and I go in and I massage and I release those knots. Well, then you'd say, well, why wouldn't everybody fly? Well, it's more expensive. With the needling, it does cost more and it's more uncomfortable. It's quick, but it can be very uncomfortable versus driving. We'll still get there, but it might take some more sessions. It might take a little bit longer. And I'll use this as an idea. Do you want to fly or do you want to drive? as a concept to help with decision-making. So let's go over the first one for standing posture. Standing posture, how we stand, whether it's before we start moving forward and running, whether you're standing at a desk, all day when we stand, how can we align the body in such a way that you have the best chance, the best foundation 
against gravity. Always talk about reverse engineering. If there is this downwards pull, this downwards arrow pulling you down to the ground at all times, that's gravity. Imagine if I put my two hands on top of your head and I push straight down. I'm trying to push your, you into the ground. How can you align yourself in such a way that gives you the best alignment and the most solid foundation? Here's the analogy. Imagine that you're baking a cake, a three-layer cake. You've got the bottom level, which is like your ankles. You've got the middle layer, that's like your hips. And then the top layer, that's like your torso. How can I bake this cake and align these three sections on top of each other in such a way that if we were to leave it for a day, a week, as gravity is pulling it down, how can we have it be that it doesn't start to shift like the Leaning Tower of Pisa? How can we make sure that it's got this alignment? Well, I want to make sure that all three of these sections, these segments, are all stacked vertically. What commonly happens when we stand is either this, people will have their hips forward. So imagine three separate boxes. That middle box will be slid forward, and then they're constantly getting some stress to the low back because they're not in quote-unquote alignment. And what this usually means is their weight distribution. If I were to push down through their head in this position with your hips forward, you would buckle backwards. So how can I get it? So you align your shoulders over your hips, your hips over your ankles, so that if I do push down through your head, can I get that force to go to your arches and not break somewhere along the chain? So that's an analogy to think about alignment, stacking your ankles over your hips, over your shoulders. They're all in a line. The cue that I use for this is don't let me knock you over. How could you stand in such a way that if I were to come at any direction from behind the side, up top, if I were to push you, what would give you the best chance of not falling over? That's our foundation. That's a good way to think about how we're standing for two hours, three hours to give us the best chance of uh, weight distribution and not overdoing it or overloading certain structures. If you're not a cake person, simply this, three boxes, three Amazon boxes. Let's say they're all the same shape and size. We just want to make sure they're stacked one on top of the other and not forward or back. Next, we got leaning. What's the concept? To shift your body weight forward by hinging at your ankles. And why do we want to do this? We want to maximize forward momentum. If we're not leaning forward, we have to work harder to overcome that. We're going to be slowing ourselves down as we're moving forward. So leaning forward and not just leaning your body weight forward, where you're leaning at is at the ankles. The analogy for this is imagine you are on a Segway. If you haven't been on one, you can kind of picture it or you can Google it. They're standing vertically. And then what they do is they just lean their body weight forward. Their weight might be towards their heels. They shift their body weight forward. Their hips start to move forward, but they're keeping that stack, the alignment of all three of those boxes on top of each other. And then they move forward. That's how we want to think while we're running. We've got this constant slight forward lean, not to be confused with leaning, hinging at the hips. Cause what does that do? If I'm leaning forward, 
my hips stay back, my weight stays back. So my weight is behind me more. So I'm going to slow myself down. That's how we actually slow down on a segue is you would either lean your hips backwards, which is a form of leaning, but it's going to slow you down. So the reason why we have to do this is we have to unlearn, and this is why this is a learned skill. We have to unlearn some reflexive hip strategies for staying within your base support or your balance or not falling. Imagine this, if you were standing on a raft in the water, if I wanted you to lean forward, hinging at the ankles, what your body would naturally do, because it knows it's going to fall, is it would actually keep your hips back. You would have your shoulders go out in front of your hips. That way you keep your weight within your base of support, which is great for standing. But if we're talking about moving forward, whether it's walking or running or any speed, we want to make sure that we're teaching this skill. Hey, it's okay. I want you to have your weight forward in your base support. If you imagine that if you were looking down and you had a circle all the way around your body, around your feet, we're trying to get it so you're comfortable with having your weight go forward on that surface without having your hips stay behind. So segue to maximize forward lean. The cue that I'll use for people in addition to talking about the segue is that hankle. Move your body forward, shift your body weight forward by hinging, folding at the ankles, the hankle. Next, forward propulsion. This is a new one. This is where I mainly talk about the canoe and a paddle and how you move forward as you put the paddle on the water and you push the water back. Same idea, but let's do it, let's say it just a slightly different way. So again, the concept is how you move your body forward is I want you to push the ground backwards. This is Newton's third law for every action. There's an equal and opposite reaction. You push the ground back, your body moves forward. Let's talk about skateboarding. I went through a phase when I was, I think, 12, 13, where for some reason I got into skateboarding. I would bang up my shins. I would try tricks. I, I wasn't great. But, uh, but it happened. But maybe if you've never skateboarded, you can still picture this idea. How do you move forward on a skateboard? What do you do? Well, you put your foot on the ground, one foot still, your body weight's still on that skateboard, and you push the ground back. That's it. It's as simple as that. To move forward, you push the ground backwards. Same idea with running. How you move your body forward, the propulsion, the engine is push the ground back. So the cue for this that I'll use is roll the world back. Roll the world back. By pushing the ground backwards, you'll move your body forward. Anything else that we don't need to do, anything other movement strategies we do, isn't going to go towards that goal, that principle of moving forward. And that's where we can start to even tie in some of this other stuff, which we will. If I roll the ground backwards, push the ground back, do I need to take my foot all the way off the ground really, really high up before I put the foot back on the ground and push back? It's kind of wasted energy to lift up, up, up with the leg when that's not where we're getting our power. We're getting our power and our speed from pushing the ground back. So roll the world back. Imagine like you're propelling yourself like you're on a skateboard. How about gliding? Moving purely horizontal. This is where I'm going to use the, the analogy of skipping a rock. If you imagine I'm trying to throw a rock as far forward as possible in the water, 
knowing that every time the rock hits the water, it's going to slow it down similar to running, but how can I have it hit the water in such a way that it minimizes the slowing down? Well, if I throw the rock more horizontal, it hits the water and then it comes off the water, but not a whole lot. It's moving more parallel, less perpendicular, more horizontal, less vertical. So if we were to see you running from the side view, ideally, can we have this gliding like you're skimming the ground, skipping a rock, not going up, down, up, down, up, down. And then what this does, is this helps with that relationship between the ground and where our center of mass is being parallel, help to promote this forward momentum. So gliding is like skipping a rock. The cue that I'll use for people is either one, can you run quieter? Can you be softer? And what that will do is just subconsciously, they'll choose to move more horizontal, not go off the ground. The higher they go off the ground, the further they come down, the more sound, the more impact. So either run quieter or I'll say, I want you to try to transmit as little force downwards through the ground as possible. See if you can more push the force, push the ground backwards, but try to minimize pushing downwards through the ground. And so that will also help with that skateboarding analogy, the push with the tush, using the glutes to extend the leg backwards on the ground to move your body forward. So transmit as little force downwards through the ground as possible, which would in turn cause you to be quieter, be more horizontal, gliding. So what about landing? What about when you're in the air and you come back down to the ground, how can we land in such a way that the muscles are absorbing more of that impact? Every action equal and opposite reaction like we talked about, the moment your body weight comes down to the ground, that same amount of force in the opposite direction is coming back up at you. So of that force that our body is gonna be taking, one, we wanna see, can we take less force? If we be more horizontal and we glide, we're gonna set ourselves up for success and having less force, but also our muscles or our joints and our cartilage can absorb this force. What do you think would be more advantageous? Well, the muscles, the muscles are meant for this. The muscles can act eccentrically, we call it, where they're absorbing that force or that impact from the ground. So the analogy that I like to use for this one is, and if you listen to season one, episode 11, I believe it was, I talked about the cankle muscles, the muscles around the knees and the ankles, their role, their motto, their mantra is they provide cushion for the tush pushing. And they work overtime for hills, if you remember that. On a flat surface, I want to see, can you move your body forward not using your knees, not using your ankles? I want more to be that your quads, the muscles around your knee, your ankle are more acting like a spring or shock absorbers. And this is why you can probably imagine why so many people have knee pain. They're using their knees, their quads, their ankles to push downward through the ground and they go up. And then they're also going to be using those same muscles with landing and the knees are getting so much stress. So allowing the muscles to absorb the impact is acting like your quads are like a shock absorber. 
And so this is the, the, the back of the t-shirt quote, the knees ease the landing, the knees ease the landing. And so when we see this up and down movement of your body, lower to the ground, higher than the ground, lower and higher, this is ideally where it's coming from. Imagine that if I was on a ladder and I jumped off a ladder and landed, as soon as I land, if I have a stiff landing, if you don't see a whole lot of this downwards movement in my body acting like a spring, my joints, my cartilage, and the bones are going to take so much more stress. So ideally, the knees ease the landing. The muscles are more relaxed. That will help you to absorb. If you think of a muscle like a spring, if the spring is compacted and you have it all the way down, there's no uh, space between the coils. When that lands, it's not going to do a whole lot for us to actually cushion, absorb that impact. Having the muscles be more relaxed, not shortened, is going to help you to absorb that impact. So the cue for this that I'll use is one, land quieter. Same cue can also help. Or I'll say, relax your legs on the landing. See if you can push the ground backwards, but then as the leg goes down towards the ground, keep it a little more relaxed. Allow the muscles to do their job. If they're tight and engaged before you hit, they're not going to do as good a job of easing the landing or absorbing. What I used to say, and I don't say anymore, is I would say, imagine like you're running on fire. Why do you think I don't use that anymore? Similar kind of concept of, I don't want you to spend too much time pushing your feet down. Ideally, we want to have this you know, less time with your foot on the ground in front of you. But why I stop using this is this kind of promotes this pulling or the pose method, which is exactly opposite of what I'm trying to condone, where they say, pick up your feet, pick up your feet and rely only on gravity to move you forward. What I found was if I have somebody imagine like they're running on fire, they were actually picking their feet up instead of pushing the ground backwards. So I don't use that as much anymore. I, I will use that if I'm teaching somebody just jumping in place where they're just jumping up higher and landing underneath them, but they're not moving forward or back. I'll still use that cue of imagine like you're running on fire or you're landing on fire because as soon as you land, then it's like you're going to try to get your body weight off of the ground to absorb that impact. Okay, let's put it all together. Step-by-step -step analogy. I'm going to do the same concept of putting this all together, but one's going to be on water, one's going to be on land. Some of you, it might click with one or the other or both, but we're going to go through this. So paddleboarding, that's the first one. Step-by-step. -step. So you're standing on a paddleboard. First thing you're going to do is soften your knees. Why do we do that? Well, one, if we lock out our knees, our quads aren't working to help support us. We're just relying on the congruency of the knee. And then when it comes to that shock absorption component, we're not going to do a good job. So step one, looking straight ahead, you're on the paddleboard, soften the knees. What do you do next? Lean forward. Shift your weight from your heels more across your arch towards the balls of your feet, but keeping your heels down. So now we're leaning forward. The next step is how we move. We push the water back. The paddle is in the water. Push the water backwards. That's like your leg that's on the ground. 
Next step is having some patience. These next two go hand in hand, patience and skimming. Patience is as soon as you push that water back, allowing some of the work that you just did to happen. Allow your board, your body to continue moving forward. Have some patience. And then the next part of that is skim. As I'm bringing that paddle back forward, I don't need to pick the paddle up out of the water. I can keep it more like skipping a rock. The feet stay closer to the ground. So I'm more skimming the ground. And the final is the landing. I don't want to land with that paddle or reach that paddle out in front of me. I've got that lean. I've got my knees softened. I'm trying to match the water, just place the oar into the water, keeping the arms a little more relaxed, and then push back. I don't want to stab the ground. I don't want to hit the ground hard with the paddle in the front, having some more of that soft landing and push the water back. So again, stand, soften the knees, lean forward, push back, patience, skimming, land. I hope that was helpful. If not, let's try this. Skateboarding, same idea. You're standing on a skateboard. You've got one foot on the board, one foot on the ground. First thing you're going to do is just soften your knees, just lowering your body closer to the ground. And we're maintaining that. Next, lean forward. Lean and shift your weight forward. Now we're holding this position the whole time. And now push the ground back. Your foot's on the ground. You're using your hip muscles to extend your leg, pushing the ground backwards, and you'll move forward on the skateboard. Patience. Allow some of that forward momentum, that forward movement to happen while your skateboard and your body's going forward. Having that patience skimming the ground. The foot doesn't need to come really, really high up off the ground, especially if we're going to be skateboarding or running for a long, long, long period of time. We want to conserve energy and not use muscles that we don't need to. So skimming the ground with the foot. And then when we land, I don't want to have my foot land out in front of me on that skateboard on the ground. That's going to slow me down. But the thing that's nice is because I have that lean I'm already kind of setting myself up for success where it's harder to land and load in front of me or overstride or slow down if you are maintaining that lean. So softer landing as your foot hits the ground, then the tensioning of the hip happens and you push the ground back. Patience, push. Let's go over a quick summary. The five things we talked about were standing posture, leaning, forward propulsion, gliding and landing. We talked about standing posture, aligning your body in such a way that maximizes your foundation, your base against gravity. Don't let me knock you over. Can we line those three layers of the cake or those three boxes stacked vertically on top of each other first? And then can we maintain that while we lean? That's why we teach standing first and then leaning. We don't want to lose that stack. If we are losing that stack, that's where somebody is going to be leaning forward, hinging at the hips, that middle layer stays back. We want to make sure that we're keeping that alignment, hinging forward at the ankles like you are on a Segway. The forward propulsion, how you move forward, like skateboarding, push the ground backwards, you move forward. Anything else is unnecessary. Gliding, skipping a rock 
can you stay lower to the ground and move purely horizontal, minimizing this up, up, up in the air and down, staying more skimming the ground. The landing, the knees ease the landing, having the legs a little bit more relaxed when it comes to that landing piece and acting more like a shock absorber versus the knees and the quads propelling you just like it was with that skateboarding analogy. It wouldn't make sense. I wouldn't get a whole lot, a lot out of it if the foot that's on the ground while I'm skateboarding, if I just push downwards through the ground and move my body up, it's wasted energy. That's not in line with the goal. Then we talked about the step-by-step, -step, whether we're paddle boarding or skateboarding, a first softening the knees to lower the self a little bit lower to the ground, trying to maintain that height the whole time, leaning the body weight forward, and then the propulsion piece pushback, patience, skim, land, and repeat. Have you heard the news? The Learn to Run Club is heating up. I've updated all the training plans, including mobility and strength training routines with videos and instructions incorporated into the training plans. I added some new video instructions. There's a podcast episode link on the long run, so you have something to listen to if you want. You can get a quarterly membership for less than half of the cost of a new pair of running shoes. The seven-day mechanics experience is also included with the membership. That's $179 value. If for any reason you are not 100% satisfied, I will give you a full refund, no questions asked. If you're looking for mechanics only, not training plans, I've got different options for you. I have, you can use the tennis ball necklace to learn three skills, or there's that seven day mechanics experience where you break it into seven individual skills you learn over seven days, 10 minutes a day to learn these, uh, these concepts. I also have available one-on-one -on -one virtual mechanics assessments where I show you how to video yourself, you upload it, you send it to me, we do a Zoom session and we go over it. And there's a discount for that for Learn to Run Club members. Please, if you've ever found this podcast valuable or helpful, if you could please share it with your friends, rate it and review, that would really help me a lot and to grow and to reach a wider audience. Until next time, bye.